Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. So today I'm talking about, uh, my message is titled, Work Together, Walk Together. Everybody say work, work. and walk Work together, walk together. I was going to save this message actually for a lot of our leadership teams, a lot of our staff and our pastors and just some of our core leadership teams who take care of people here in Grace Avenue. But I really wanted to bring this message specifically to us this morning because I felt it would be beneficial. Uh, The Bible has a lot to say about work. It has a lot to say about our walk. It says a lot about the way in which we're called to work and a lot about the way in which we're called to walk. If you think about it, most of our challenges in life, most of our obstacles, most of the potholes that we hit, most of the walls that we hit, the things we face, come from our work or our walk. Uh, When we sit down with somebody for dinner or for lunch or coffee and we start talking to them, we start talking about what? Work. We start asking how things going at work. How are things working out with your kids? How is this new job working out? Uh, How's the marriage working? How's it working to be the parent of a teenager? How does it work to be the parent of a new baby? How does it work having that new hobby? We're always talking about the work that we do, either hobbies, for employment, our career, with people, with one another. Uh, We say that and we also say we're working towards being a better student, being a better father, being a better leader, being a better boss, being a better human. We say these things because work encompasses so much of our life. Uh, God has a lot to say about work. Proverbs 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Colossians 3, whatever you do, work diligently at it as for the Lord, not for men. So we see so much of work Uh, throughout scripture. In Haggai, which is the book in the Old Testament that's two chapters long that we've been in for about a month and a half now. I won't go into a lot of details of it because I've been speaking on it for a while, but in short, Haggai is a man sent by God to come and realign, reconnect, and redirect the hearts of the people who've basically gotten off. They came back to the place that God had released them to from exile, from captivity, and they're supposed to be focused on working on something specific that God had called them to. But instead, they got caught up working on their own houses. And this one verse, uh, Haggai chapter 1 verse 9 says, because my house that lies in ruins, God was referring to the temple, each of you busies himself with his own house. So what were people doing? They're doing what comes naturally to them. What comes naturally to us is to work, and specifically to work on our own house, to work on our own family, our own kids. The the dog needs to go to the vet. The the kid needs to go to the doctor. We got to take this one to the dentist. We have to get back to work. We have a meeting for work. We're consumed with work. But here, no different than today, we saw people busying themselves with their own house. See, they were caught up in their own work And it was affecting their walk with God and what he called them to. Now, in in American culture, um, addiction is pretty prevalent. Uh, We talk about addiction in in, um, different manners. There's gambling addiction and and sex addiction and alcohol addiction and drug addiction and 
uh, all kinds of addictions, and we have treatment centers for people, we help people, we pray for people, we walk with people through those situations. But there's a stigma attached to all of those addictions. There's an addiction, I believe, that does not have a stigma attached to it that's in many ways just as damaging, uh, and it's the addiction of busyness. Except that one you get to wear as a badge of honor, you don't get frowned upon for that, and we don't get judged for that. In fact, people seem to be more proud of us, right? You haven't caught up with somebody in a long time. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, you know, I've been busy. Oh, really? What have you been up to? Uh, Man, just busy with everything. Well, what specifically? Uh, The kids, the yard, the work's got this. Uh, We're trying to get ready to go out of town. Uh, Car needs to go in the shop. I need to just just busy. And so we kind of use that as a way to validate and affirm that, hey, we got things going on. We're going somewhere. Because that's what work really means, doesn't it? Like we don't, like no one's proud of saying, what have you been doing today? Ah, just sitting on the couch for 10 hours watching Netflix. <laughs> like it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 60 and you do that, you still sound lazy. Like really? All day? That's all you did? It's okay, it was my day off. You're such a lazy bum. What a, do something with your life, right? Like we, we don't have this thing in our life where it's okay to not work. We've always got to be working at something, working with someone, working towards something, working for something. Uh, And we wear that like a badge of honor. It almost gets you like a VIP pass uh, in a way to keep other things that are really important at a distance where you don't have to talk about things. You don't have to meet things. You don't have to go to the doctor because you're busy. You don't have to go to the dentist because you're busy. You don't have to get marriage counseling because you're busy. You don't have to take care of your body or your health because you're busy. You've got things going on. So we work, but it affects our walk. Our work for God, which we will say, I'm doing this for God. At least if we're Christians, we'll say, I'm doing this for God. We're working for God's glory. We're working for the good of our family. We're working for our future. We're working for our, our purpose, our destiny, our, our business, our, our goals. I'm all about my goals, right? But our work affects our walk. When Jesus was asked what's most important, uh, he was trying, he was with some people who were trying to trick him into Many different, many different places in his life. But in this particular instance, they said, um, what's most important? And in summarizing, he basically said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice he didn't say work. But for us, loving God and loving people is the lens that Jesus wanted us to see through. It's the pathway that Jesus wanted us to be on. He wanted us to see the value in priorities, seeking first the kingdom, making sure that he's first, and that the outflow of that impacts people. In other words, we can't just be caught up loving God and not love people. And we can't actually say we love people unless we love God because we don't know how to effectively love people unless we know God's love towards us. So they asked him for one thing, he gave him two. And those two things still resonate in our lives as Christians today, loving God and loving people. He was saying, in, in, in essence, what's most important is your walk with God and your walk with people. Not just your work, 
That's, that's actually the easy part, especially in America. That comes natural to us. Now, when we read the Bible, when we read the Scriptures, a lot of times the context in which we read the Scriptures, we see through the lens of me instead of the lens of us. But when God is speaking to me, He's not just speaking to me, even though individually He is through the Holy Spirit, through His Word. He's actually speaking to us as the body of Christ. He's speaking to us as a family. He's speaking to us as a church family. He's speaking to the church at large, all Christians across the globe. He's speaking to us. And it's important for us to understand that this morning because when God is talking to us individually about our walk, he wants us to see that our walk affects other people. Jesus, what's most important? Hey, just take care of you. That's all that matters. Or just be happy. That's what's really important. Like those are philosophies of life, but that wasn't what Jesus said. Love God and love people. Walk with God, and the outflow from that should see that you walk with people in a manner that's worthy of God. Jesus spoke to us about our walk, because life is about our walk. John 8, 12, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ephesians 5, 8, for at one time you were in darkness. In other words, this is the way you were walking deceived, blind, out of the mix, okay? But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So Jesus shows us through his word. He's telling us the way in which we should walk. Psalm 119, the word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. What's that speaking to? That's speaking to the way that we walk, the path that we walk, the direction that we're headed. It's not just saying, hey, stay busy, It's saying, think about the way that you're walking. Now, when he's talking about the word being a lamp for our feet and a light on our path, he's actually speaking about the the step-by-step process by which we're walking. With a lamp, you can only see a few steps in front of you. This is what the word does. It speaks to our walk. It's, It's God's word. It's giving us the ability to see the steps that we need to take. Galatians 5, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. Here we are again. God is calling us to not walk in the way that we have before or in the way that just feels right or the way that is the flesh, but he's telling us, walk by the Spirit, and we won't gratify, make excuses for the desires of the flesh. Come on, are you with me this morning? All right, he's saying if we live by the Spirit, let's also walk by the Spirit. You see, God has a lot to say about our walk. Here's, here's the last one, Third John 1, 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth, right? My little three-year-old, she just, lear- she just learned what it means to tell the truth because she's telling lies all the time, like all the time. Did you do this? No. Who did this? Who spread mud all over my, my office table? I don't know. And, and horns are growing out of her head as she's saying this. I'm thinking, you were a pure, innocent child when you were born. Now you're lying to my face. And I'm sitting here thinking, and so I had a teacher this week. I said, look, if you tell me the truth, you won't get in trouble. Okay. So what she's doing now is she figured out this. She'll do something anyway. And when I bust her, she'll just tell me, I didn't do it. I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. 
So she's admitting that she didn't do it, but confessing that that's the truth. And because she's saying it's the truth, she's not going to get in trouble. So she's kind of working the system both ways. All right? She's smart, like her mother. Um, Look, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. God wants us to walk in his truth. Not to just work and be busy. But to walk together as the body of Christ in his truth. Not the language of our generation right now, which is controversial in more ways than we can even explain in in one message. But your truth is your truth versus the truth of Jesus and what he says is the truth. He said, I am the truth. You know, as a Christian in 2021, I don't get to pick my own truth. I get to look in the face of truth and and receive that truth or reject that truth. That's the heaviness of what Jesus tells us. And so this morning, what I'm saying is that I'm less concerned about your work ethic and more concerned this morning about the manner in which you're walking. Are you walking alone in this season? Or are you walking together with God? Next week, I want to focus on walking together with other people. But I found that's hard for people who aren't settled on their walk with God. I believe when you're settled in your walk with God, when there's a peace there, the Bible describes it as a peace that transcends and passes all understanding. In other words, there's a settledness in me where I'm not trying to prove anything anymore to you. I don't need to be affirmed by anyone else. I don't need to be validated by anyone else. I don't need to be identified by anyone else. I receive that from Christ, and as I receive that from Christ, I can walk that out, not in arrogance, but in confidence. So I can stand on my worst day, my absolute horrible worst day, where that little three-year-old angel just totally lied to me, that that was the cherry on top, and I can still know that I'm walking in God's truth because I'm walking in God's acceptance. I received God's acceptance when he did his work on the cross that settled once and for all what I'm trying to earn what I'm trying to get from people, what I'm trying to get from work, what I'm trying to get from others, how many likes I might be trying to get on Facebook or Instagram, how many career changes I might get that that look really good on my resume, uh, how much of a salary I might get. Like if you've ever made a transition uh, in your career and your pay has decreased, there's no doubt in my mind that your value was tested at that moment because you know what you're worth and you know what you made. And now you're having to shift some things financially and you're recognizing, I'm worth more. But you were the same worth to God before the job as you were during the transition or after the transition. So I want us to see how Jesus calls people not just to work, but to walk. Because in Christianity, I found that it seems like people are really good at one of these two. Their work for God or their walk with God. But when you find people who are balanced at both, they're very, very healthy people, right? So let's go to Matthew chapter four, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. So Jesus says this, I will make you fishers 
of men. In other words, you're going to fish now for people. You're going to reach people. I want you to notice he takes the natural thing that Peter is good at and adds the supernatural outcome of what it's going to be all about. I'm going to take who you are, what you do, what comes naturally to you, what you utilize for work, and it's going to affect your walk. Not just your walk, but the walk of other people. Jesus didn't call him far from who he already knew himself to be. But he gave him clarity in the direction that he was now going to walk. He said, I'm going to use your natural gifts. I'm going to use your your natural talents for supernatural, eternally grounded work. Something deeper than just collecting a paycheck. Right? Something deeper than just being able to validate ourselves with we're moving further in our career. I'm making more money. Or even, you know, I, I'm, I'm building the thing I've always wanted to build. What I'm saying is God calls you to his work with him, but he also, also calls you to walk with him. Because I want you to take, the, take, take a second and just notice that when Jesus calls his disciples before he is crucified and resurrected, he spends the next few years walking with his disciples, not just working with them, right? Not, not like grandpa opening the hood of the car and showing you how to fix the car. All right, you know, hand me the wrench. That's not the wrench. Give me the wrench. That's the wrench, right? You know, showing you how to get things done, showing you how to work. No, he's walking with them. Jesus wants to walk with us. Can I be honest and say, it's much easier for me to work with, for God than it is to walk with God? especially after doing this for this long, it's so much easier to work for God than it is to walk with God because walking with God takes intentionality. Working with God comes natural. I love helping people. I saw uh, a meme the other day that says, do you extroverts seriously just start conversations with anybody, any random stranger? And I'm like, oh, I do that with everybody. Like, I, I could do that. I could do that with any everybody in this room, like every single person in this room, and not be tired. I'd be hungry, but not be tired. I'd be like, it's time for lunch. I need to eat something. But but I I get filled by that. Like that sort of natural work comes to me. Now eventually I hit my 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 peak, and then I I crash, and I'm like, I'm taking the day off tomorrow. I'm not talking to a living soul, right? But the majority of the outflow of my life, it's natural that comes comes to me to to work in a way that helps people, blesses people, talks to people, learns from people, understands people, takes questions from people, has, has discussions with people. That comes natural. But to walk with God means I have to disconnect from myself from the busyness of what comes natural to realign myself to walk with him in a manner that's worthy of his calling, right? What's the first thing in Genesis that we read? Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in the garden. They walked in the cool of the garden. Didn't say, well, they started making their five-year plan and their 20-year plan, and they started working on some career transitions. No, they walked with God. God wants to walk with you. I know your work ethic is most likely, most everybody in here, your work ethic is fantastic. But our walk is what Jesus is calling us to. Jesus called his disciples and then he walked with them. 
right? Have you ever started trying to, to, trying to follow someone and they walk too fast? And you're just like, no. Okay, well, that means you're the person who walks too fast, <laughs> right? That's me. That's, that's 20 years of, of my life with, with Janelle uh, where I get the look or the comment and, you know, she's back there. And I get into my own world and it's not intentional, but, you know, hey, I can't help it. These people are slow. I, I, I am as God made me, right? So, but in the same way, there's people who walk too slow. You ever been behind somebody who's really slow? Come on. Everybody's like, don't judge. Nobody should judge. Everybody judges. You judge slow people. We all judge slow people, right? Slow drivers, slow walkers. And not because that's the way they walk. That's because they're just slow. Or like, come on, let, let's keep going. Let's, keep, let's move faster, right? So everybody's clenching their lips like they, they know it's true. They know it's true. But in all seriousness, there's a pace that God calls us to. And it's not too fast and it's not too slow. It's the pace of his grace. And it's so much easier for us to work in our own strength than to walk in the pace of grace. See, we're responsible for nurturing our own walk with God, the pace in which our walk with God is. A lot of times we move so fast, like we're looking back, and we haven't even talked to God in a month, a year. We've been living right, living righteous, doing good things, but walking with God, talking with God, spending time with God, Grasping that peace that passes all understanding, allowing that to work in us so that it works out of us. How is your walk with God? Not your work for God. How is your walk with God this morning? When the COVID thing hit last year, one of the things I recognized is it could be, and obviously because we'd planted a church from, at that point, almost a decade you know, we, we had just had Easter in the Tobin Center. We were doing three services. We planted another campus. We're busy. And I'm telling you, in, in that COVID meeting place for nine months where we did, not, we did not open the doors and we did not, we did not meet again and we did not gather again and we waited, there were, there were in the first couple of months, these temptations for me to, to think, all the work that I've put in, all the work that we've put in, all the, all, the, all the work that we've done, oh, we can't lose that. And then I just settled in after a couple of months and thought, this is all God's anyway. At that time, I, you know, it was only last year, so 44, I was 44, and I'm thinking, okay, really don't want to start over if, if this, you understand there's an element of work that is involved in this. Like we don't just show up on Sunday, shut the lights off. Okay, we'll see you next Sunday. There's 24-7, there's something going on in people's lives and in ministries and various areas of, of our church and throughout the city and just different things. And there was such a temptation for me to just start working overdrive and overtime into, into trying to save the work instead of savor the walk. And I'm just being honest. I, I literally, I think for the first time in about a decade, released myself from a lot of pressures that I intentionally, that just come natural with what we, what we do here, but that I put on myself. So like some pastors were doing like, 
Zoom calls three times a week at night, Sunday messages, and trying to gather. I said, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're just going to have Sunday. We'll do some Zoom calls through the week. I'll do some writing. I'll keep reaching to the people, reaching out to the people. We'll put some stuff out there, but I'm, I'm not going to work myself into the ground. Are you, are you with me? And, and naturally, I think, look, there's times for, and seasons for hard work. I'm not saying hard work is not important. You understand, there are crossroads that you hit where you say, this is not a time to just focus on saving and salvaging the work. This is the time to savor the walk with God. Because I'm not going to get this time back. I think the only reason I was able to come back into this refreshed after some of the stuff we'd been through for the last few years was because I took time last year to just rest in God. It doesn't mean I was sitting on the couch. It means I was working. It just means I wasn't working at the pace that I usually work at. It was the pace of grace. See, many of us are stressed about our work. But what God's actually trying to teach us is how to walk. Stress is usually the exact bullseye of where God wants you. Come on, don't we say that? God, I just, I'm just so stressed. I just like... Yeah, but, but in, in stress, you're discovering what's really important. In stress, you're forced to prioritize. In stress, you're forced to, to diagnose what, what is really important in this moment. Which of these spinning plates has to fall and which one needs to really stay up? And we all have spinning plates. And there's some important ones. My marriage, that's an important plate that needs to keep spinning. Relationship with my kids, my relationship with God. Like those are the first place. If those crash, there's a lot more that's going to crash. Right? But those come with pressures. And there's a, there's a stress involved. I think we should stop being afraid of stress. We should learn how to walk with God in those stresses. Because, you know, I don't think from now until the day you die, there's going to be a, a stress relief life that comes your way. There'll be the stress of finances, the stress of decisions. If you're reaching for anything, there will be stress. Right? The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. It would be much easier if it was by sight. If we could just see what's next. But why would we want to see what's next? Because we want to work at it instead of walk in it. We want to take control. This is, this is our natural tendency. God, let me get 10 steps ahead of you so I can work on this thing that you've created. So I can work on your perfect plan. Let me show you how to make it better. Let me show you how this next year should turn out instead of walking with God through it. See, when God calls us like he calls the disciples in this, in this passage, he called them into unknown spaces and unknown places and an unknown pace as well. And this is what walking by faith will force us to do. It'll force us to walk out of familiar, known, comfortable places where we can work. And it'll force us to direct ourselves towards relying on God in a way that maybe for some of us doesn't come natural. Or it's much easier to just, to just work. Just let me get to work. Just, just let me get my hands on that thing. I can, I can fix it. I can do this. I can, I can arrange this. I can, I can make this better. God will call you to some seasons where you have to walk with unanswered questions. 
and you can spend so much time trying to figure out the why and ask the why instead of figuring out the pace of the walk that God is trying to bring you to. Is this helping you this morning? Second point, grace. The grace of God, it came through Jesus so that you and I could walk in a life without shame. This is how grace came. It came through Jesus so that you and I could walk in a pace of life without shame, without, without this sense of performance. So much of our life, especially here in America, is judged by our performance, right? Like some of you, you're really good at your front yard and your lawn, and it looks amazing, and then you drive by somebody who doesn't take care of those, and you're like, ugh, these people are probably going to burn in hell, ugh. Because you're just so, you work hard at your lawn. It looks good. Maybe you don't go that extreme, right? But maybe some of you do. But the reality is that there, there's, there's a, a life without shame that people are willing to live and are able to live when they embrace the grace of God, when they embrace the grace of Jesus. John 1 says that the law came through Moses, but grace came through Jesus. Grace came for you. Grace came to walk with you and I in this life. First John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What makes it so hard, so difficult to walk with God, unconfessed sin, areas of, where, uh, of struggle where we base our own worth on our performance, how good of a parent we are, how good of a... I talk to so many young couples who are always stressed about what kind of parents they, they, they're going to be because the homes that they grew up in or dealt with were very difficult. And I'll notice that they'll spend the first 10 minutes of the conversation talking about the type of parent that they want to be. I'm saying, and I try to tell them this, look, Bad parents don't spend 10 minutes talking about how to be good parents. They don't spend prayer and time and read books on how not to screw up. The very fact that you want to be a good parent is an incredible starting point. It's a great catalyst for where God wants you. We're judging ourselves because of our work. And this morning, I want to bring us back to our walk, our walk with God, our walk with Jesus. There's always time to work. But now is the time to walk. Last year slowed all of us down so we could really get focused on the pace of our walk. From corporations, even right here in our city, that are allowing many people to just work from home because one corporation, 90% of the people said, we'd rather stay home than go into the office. Hmm. I think that's kind of telling right now for the state of human life in America. We're so busy. We're so stressed. We're so tired. We're so tired of being in traffic. And the, and the, and the work is staying up for a lot of people. The productivity. And companies are saying, okay, if the productivity's up, let people adjust to the pace of their life. As Christians, we need to adjust to more than the pace of our work. We need to adjust to the pace of our walk. Jesus is not walking faster 
down the road than you. He's not behind you. He's right here with you in this moment. And he wants to walk with you through it. You're thinking about how to work through it. God wants you to walk through it. This is his word to you this morning. A walk has a pace. It has a cadence. This is why we're told in Galatians to walk by the Spirit, not by fear, not by frustration. Yes, life is frustrating. Yes, there are fearful things in life. Yes, life is stressful. But we're not to walk in that way, even though we experience those things. We're to walk at the pace that God has given us. Grace came through Jesus so that you could walk in this life at the pace God has called you to. Free from shame, free from the burden of sin. What keeps people from walking in freedom in their life with God? The guilt and shame that they put on themselves that Jesus took on himself. It's almost as if we can see that God took this stuff and we say, it's good in theory, but it's not good enough for me. I messed up too much. I didn't do this. I wasted this amount of time. I wasted these years. I wasted this season. Anybody ever said that to themselves? Or you look back at seasons or you look back at time or you look back at, at moments or, or you come out of a relationship. You say, I wasted time in this relationship. There goes three years of my life. There goes, or you get a divorce. Or like There goes 10 years of my life or, or 20 years of my life and you're starting over. And what happens with the work that we recognize is involved ahead? We start heaping that shame on us. And we start performing again for other people. And we start even having conversations with people. Well, I'm coming out of this divorce, but I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to get my body better. I'm going to get my life better. I'm going to get, and here we go, starting with the work. Because we want everybody to know we work. You know, at your funeral, I'll talk about your work, but I'd rather talk about your walk. If I can talk about your walk, it can speak to people. Talk about your work, it'll relate to people. They'll clap. But your walk will inspire people in their work. It'll lift people in their work. It'll guide people in their work. That's why Paul said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling on your life. God's calling us to work this morning, to walk this morning, to walk in Him, to walk in peace, to walk in His grace, to walk in His mercy and love. So what I'd love to do this morning as we close is, under your seats, we have communion elements. And as we regularly take communion, Today, I thought, what, what a beautiful way for us to start the week with the sacred communion elements. The beauty of this right here is that when Jesus tells us to remember this, to do this as often as we can, he's actually, what he's, what, you know what he's doing? He's resetting the starting line for us. Remember he'd race as a kid, other kids? You draw a line in the sand. This is where we're going to start. Don't start until we say three, one, two, three. Then everybody would take off. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. When you do this, the starting, line, the starting line is this. You're remembering the grace from which you're starting from. You're remembering the love from which you're starting from. 
You're remembering the hope that you have in Jesus, where you're starting from. You're remembering the mercy that was poured out for you. That's where you're starting from. You're remembering the forgiveness. That's where you started from. That's what communion refreshes us in. The liturgy of this is not just that it's just something that we do. That's just a tradition. There's holiness in this. It's a sacred act. Matthew chapter 26 says, As they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. This morning, to take the bread and to take the cup is to be reminded of the sacrifice, the love, the mercy of Jesus. This morning, you can take the bread And you can take the cup. And as we receive this today, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your body and your blood poured out for us, your body bruised for us. Lord, we thank you that your walk to the cross was filled with sorrow, pain, shame, the burdens that were meant to be put on us. You took it all. You walked. So that we wouldn't have to walk in shame. Lord, this morning we come to you, to the altar of praise, the altar of gratitude, the altar of hope the starting place where everything again begins Lord teach us how to walk with you teach us the pace of the grace of God teach us how to walk in hope teach us how to walk in and through stress teach us how to walk in faith Teach us how to walk in love. Even with those around us who aren't loving. Lord, we know the supernatural work of your spirit has to do something to us for us to be able to do what you've called us to do. Lord God, strengthen your people this morning with the supernatural grace of God. Holy Spirit, fill people today with the strength of God and the love of God. Give them your focus, Lord. Let them hear your voice above every voice. Lord, you said, my sheep can hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. Lord God, let people come out of today hearing your voice clearer than ever in this next season. Let them walk with you, God. Not just work for you. Let them walk with you. In Jesus' mighty, precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen, amen. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.